This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 538 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Although today, as we have been doing quite a bit so far in the month of September, this is the Duke Football Roundup. It is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and this is the Notre Dame preview. We are going to be previewing, arguably, for some are calling what, what at least one of the biggest games in Duke football history that will be taking place at Walls Wade Stadium this Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on ABC. Yes, you don't even need cable to watch Duke football play because Notre Dame is coming to town. It is an absolutely incredible spectacle. There's a lot of things we need to talk about. We have an interview that we're going to do in just a couple minutes that we recorded earlier today. But first off, I am your host this episode, Donald Wine. I am joined by Jason Evans. Jason, first off, how are you doing? We, we just talked last night about the basketball schedule, and now... We have shifted to football. Yeah, and for good reason because the the Duke Blue football team obviously is doing some you know pretty pretty interesting stuff, <laughs> and and they are the center of the uh, the college football universe this weekend. And, and Donald, you know, I, so I was going to bring this up a little later, but I'll go ahead and do this now. This is a strange position for Duke football to be in. We at Duke as Duke fans and as Duke teams and as university, we are used to being the center of the college sports universe for a weekend. We are not used to it in football. It is something that happens for the basketball team at a minimum twice a year, off quite often way more than twice a year. But for the football team, this is, this is just new territory. And it's different because all those other times when the attention is on Duke, when the college sport universe is focused on Duke, we're either the favorite or, you know, it's considered to be a really, really close game. And I, I want to be clear, uh, Duke is not the favorite against Notre Dame in this game. And even though the point spread is relatively mild, I think it's about five and a half points for Notre Dame. As Duke fans, we're, we're not used to being here. And I think that for some of us, there's a little bit of a, a confidence kind of thing happening. I'm freely admit it. Look, I, you know, Later on, we're going to preview this game, and, and I'm going to tell you that I think Duke's going to win. And there are a lot of reasons on paper I can delineate to you why I think Duke's going to win. And it's not outrageous to pick Duke. But as fans, we're just not used to this. Right, Donald? I mean, it's just not something we've ever experienced before. In my lifetime, there hasn't been a moment where Duke was at the center of the college football universe like this. It's amazing. Jason, you, you have to understand, I, I went to Duke for four years, as you know. I, I was on the football team as a video assistant for three of those years. And I did not see a win until my junior year of college. <laughs> I know it's crazy. I saw six total football wins in my college career. And let me tell you, I had to videotape or, or edit the videotape for almost every single one of those losses. Right. And big, bad losses were, you know, we were one of the cupcakes that teams, we, I mean, I, 
let's let's go back to the early 2000s, right, where we were sued by Louisville for breaking up a football contract. And our defense was we are so terrible that you could literally schedule anyone in college football and it would be a successful alternative. And the courts agreed. Like, that's how far <laughs> we've come to this point where college yeah. game day, if, if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock, college game day, the football version is coming to Duke's campus for the very first time this Saturday. They will be broadcasting right there by where the where the C1 buses pick you up to go to East Campus and a Central Campus, right in front of the Duke Chapel. Could not think of a better landscape, better backdrop for being the center of the college football universe. But Jason, I, you're right. This is brand new territory. And we kind of don't know how to react to it, right? Except to be, first of all, super excited you know, super proud of the program for getting to a relevant point. And, and Jason, it's not like they just said, ah, Duke, we'll just go to Duke. There's nothing else going on this weekend. They have been talking about our team all year long, including before we played Clemson, right? That very first week they were saying, hey, Clemson like needs to understand that Duke is a good football team. And we've shown so far that we are worthy at least of being, you know, for a night, the center of college football. And I, I I'm super excited uh, I wish I could get down there. I, I honestly tried super hard to get down there. It's just not going to work out. But I know there's so many people who are going into town for that game. The game is sold out. The Everyone is on the fever pitch. All the students are ready. It's going to be just an absolute spectacle. And yeah, Jason, when, we, when I first stepped foot on Duke's campus as a student, did not think that we would get to this point. And also even this year, right? Like as, early, as late as last week, we were saying, ah, I mean, they just went to Notre Dame. There's probably no way they're going to come to Duke. We would love that. That'd be great. But there's no way they're going to do it. There's so many other teams out there or so many other schools they can go to. They chose us for a reason. And we're going to talk about a lot of those reasons. Yeah, before we get to the, you said we're going to talk about it. Before we get to the the excellent conversation that, that we had with, with a Notre Dame expert, I want to ask you, do you feel like we belong? Uh, and, and don't give the, don't give the reflex answer. Of course we belong, you know? I'm, I'm again, I'm being really honest here. It has nothing to do with my confidence in the team, but there's a piece of me that's like, what are we, what, what are we doing here? That this is just, this is not the history of Duke football. And, and there's a piece of me that has like, you know, imposter syndrome. There's a piece of me oh, that yeah. kind of, yeah. A piece of me that kind of feels like the bubble's got to burst at some point. Right. I would, I was just, and, I hope it doesn't. And I don't think I don't think it will, but there's like again, it's hard to take four decades for me, four plus decades of Duke fandom and never achieving sort of what we are right now. Or or if we did, it was so fleeting, you know, it went away so quickly that anyway, that's but so what do you think about it? You feel a little bit of imposter syndrome right now? I mean, I kind of do and kind of don't at the same time, right? Like yeah, the imposter syndrome is what you just described, where we're already we're here at this point. We're again, we're we're at the mountaintop of of you know college football, at least the eyeballs, right? And we're still saying, like, I don't know, man. Like it doesn't feel right that we're here. Like just doesn't feel real. It does feel surreal for me to for us to be at this point. I think the the true thing is I I look at this as you know, college game day goes to a lot of places in a year, right? They go to some of the biggest games on the place. They also go to some of the games that they're just like, Oh yeah, there's nothing going on this week. Let's just go to this one random game because it may be some backstory behind the game. They may, you know, it may be a rivalry or it may just be, Hey, let's go to a one double a team. They have been to North Dakota state more times in the last <laughs> That's 30 crazy. years than they have been to Duke university. And I think this, I am celebrating this. I don't care. It really, honestly, if we if people think that we aren't ready for this or that we shouldn't be there. And I know I know you're not saying that as a negative. It's, again, more the imposter syndrome, but I don't necessarily care about that. What I care about is that this team has formed some sort of relevance in the last you know year and a quarter under Mike Elko to the point where this was even a consideration. And now it's a reality. And I'm ready for them to have this moment. Right. We we the last big moment that we had was the 20 
was the 2013 ACC championship game. That was the last like big, big moment, right? Like we also well, that, you, that and the subsequent Peach Bowl. Yeah, the, the Peach, Peach Bowl, Peach Bowl where we faced which, Johnny Manziel, which I went, right. yeah, which was yeah, that was another huge moment for Duke football. But yes, yeah, yeah. since then and before then and since then, there just hasn't been many of them. There hasn't <laughs> been that many. And so for us to have that opportunity to have this moment in the middle of the season, I think is tremendous. And I hope, and I, I know we'll get to this. I hope, if anything, right? Like just like how we approach Clemson. When we approached the Clemson game, we said, look. If we lose but look good doing it, at least you know, look impressive, people, we we can take that, right? You said we're a five-point underdog to Notre Dame. Notre Dame only does big moments, right? Like they are the second most winningest program in college football history behind Michigan. Winning percentage, second most in second highest in college football history behind Michigan. They are every single week for them is a big moment for them. This is our one. And so I hope we just rise to to the occasion, rise to the challenge, and play like Duke Blue Devils when they rise to challenges. We are used to that in all walks of life. We do it all the time. And I think this team, I hope they get to that point where they can say, hey, we we gave it our we gave it our biggest best shot on national TV in front of the entire nation. And we impressed. I hope that's the case this time around as well. Well, and the amazing thing would be if this wasn't a one-off. And I, uh, you know, based on the, what Mike Elko has been building, uh, based on the recruiting that he's been doing, based on the attitude he's instilled in the program, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a one-off. And uh, you know, I I would love to be here it's a year from of, now. Yeah, yeah, a year from now, and uh, and have College Game Day being like, you know, oh yeah, of course they're coming to Duke. Uh, you know, it not being a big deal. I look forward to that day. It could That's, be the first. Yeah, it could be the first this season, right? Like Notre there Dame, you go, baby. There you Notre go. Notre Dame has done it. They will be on college game. There at least their game is featured two weeks in a row. They were at Notre Dame last weekend. You know, if we win this game, we have Florida State in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, there's the U.S. Game, game. game day could definitely be definitely State for a game with them. I mean, that could definitely be a matchup of top ten teams. It is not crazy a matchup of top ten teams. Yeah, so. <laughs> With that said, before we get down to, to Tallahassee, we have a lot of football to go before we get there. Oh, yeah. Let's focus on this big game this week. And to do so, Jason, I as you know, and the people out there will know in a second, I had an interview earlier today with Hayden Adams. Hayden Adams is with One Foot Down. It is the uh, sister blog, the Notre Dame sister blog, uh, over at SB Nation. And we had a great conversation about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, what, they, what makes them good, what makes... Uh, you know, some of their their successes on the on the gridiron and also kind of talked about, you know, this whole big game and the moment and exceed in trying to raise this level uh, of play. And it's been fun, you know, to kind of just even pre- preview this. But we also wanted to make sure we got some of the Notre Dame side in there, too. So here is that interview with Hayden Adams from One Foot Down. We are joined by Hayden Adams. He's a staff writer at One Foot Down, the Notre Dame blog over at SB Nation. And we thank him for being on the Duke Basketball Roundup. Hayden, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Let me first start off with, uh, and I hate to go back to last weekend, but the psyche of Notre Dame entering this weekend's game. Of course, uh, you're coming off of a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. We hate Ohio State here too, so don't worry. Uh, But how does that affect the approach of the team this week as they prepare for yet another tough game? You know, it's a really good question because last season, you know, Notre Dame opens the season against Ohio State at Ohio State. It's Marcus Freeman's technically second game as the head coach because he coached the bowl game the season prior, but it's really his like first real game. They spend the whole offseason prepping for it. He's an Ohio State alum, played there. And they lose 21 to 10, really acquitted themselves well on a national scale. And then very next week, they drop a game at home to Marshall. And they, I mean, that's, he's, I believe Marcus Freeman was the first Notre Dame head coach to ever start his career 0-3. And everyone knew that they just invested so much in Ohio State 
that it was a combination of the emotional letdown, but also the complacency of being patted on the back about like, oh, you did so well uh, against Ohio State. This season, you know, a lot of people expected them to beat Ohio State, not just Notre Dame fans. Um, and so it has been a talking point, even I believe during press media this week, the players have brought up the fact that, you know, it is a point of emphasis that don't let Ohio State sidetrack the rest of the season like they did last year. Um, will they not let Ohio State do that? I don't know. It's only Marcus Freeman's second year, so we'll see if he's figured out what buttons to press to uh, avoid that kind of slip up. Yeah, and I mean, it was a huge game. It was obviously, you know, the arguably the biggest game in the country last week. It leads me to my next question. You know, as you know, College Game Day is coming to Duke's campus for the first time on the football side. We've had plenty on the basketball side, but for the football side, it's our first time. You guys are obviously no stranger to College Game Day. You hosted it last weekend, and you've been a part of some big matchups in the past involving College Game Day coming either to South Bend or to wherever Notre Dame happens to be playing. Does that put some extra pep in your step to know that your game is focused on as the top game in the country in a particular weekend? Or is it Notre Dame? You guys have every game as a big game, and it doesn't really phase you. I don't think it really adds a whole lot to Notre Dame's motivation um, in fact, I, I feel like you might not want it to be at Duke because, you know, wherever college game day goes, they're going to play up the the venue that is hosting them in that school. Um, but they're also going to address the team that's visiting. And there's going to be a big talking point about 10 players on the field for the last two plays against Ohio State. That is making the rounds right now in Notre Dame land. And it's being talked about somewhat on a national scale, but it's going to get brought up. Um, you know, I it's now getting out via Twitter um, that this isn't the first time Notre Dame had a 10 men on the field snafu this season. They had 10 men on the field when they hosted FCS Tennessee state, and it almost led to a touchdown. It didn't, but now everyone is remembering that because I think it's Tyler Horka of um, blue and gold illustrated, if I'm not mistaken, uh, tweeted that out. So yeah, it's, it's going to, Add to the atmosphere of Duke, I'm sure. Um, it also might be something that the Notre Dame coaches are like, hey, the national spotlight's still on us. It's a primetime game and college game day's in town. So let's focus up. But that's as much as I would say that it really affects them. I, I will say uh, for the record, I, I went to Miami for law school. I am very well aware of 10, 10, 10 guys on the field. Uh, Coach Al Golden. Um he has uh, not strayed from that in years past. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he and the rest of the defense will focus um, really quick before we get to the actual game. Notre Dame, of course, you are independent in football. We're, we're kind of talking to our, our viewers out there. They're independent football, but of course, a member of the ACC and all of their sports. You have some huge rivalries in football with teams from other conferences. But does how does the fan base treat the football matchups against the ACC opponents? knowing that, you know, you have to see them in other sports as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, like, a lot of people I feel like are kind of against the idea of Notre Dame going to the Big Ten, which would be the logical alternative to going with the ACC, um, because there's a lot of baggage there with Fielding Yost, former Michigan football coach, um, at the turn of like 1900 that century mm -hmm. um who was purportedly anti-catholic um or and whether or not it was for that reason he kept notre dame uh out of the big 10 when they were trying to join and so notre dame basically said screw you we're gonna go play army on the east coast and usc on the west coast and we're we gonna gonna become a national name um so there, there's just sort of some baggage there um but beyond that like the matchups would probably be more interesting if Notre Dame were to go to the Big Ten and play some traditional rivals like Purdue and Michigan State and Michigan more often. Um, as for the ACC, I mean, Clemson has sort of become a new rival in a way just because they played in the playoff and in the ACC championship the year that Notre Dame joined the conference. Um, but beyond that, I mean, Notre Dame's got, what, now 29 straight wins over ACC opponents in the regular mm -hmm. season? Um, so some people view it as, you know, we should be playing better teams. We dominate this conference. We're like the real Kings of the ACC. Other people view it as, you know, like it is what it is. Like 
what what other conference would you rather than be a part of? The ACC gives us a home for our Olympic sports and everything but hockey because that's the ACC doesn't do hockey. So Notre Dame's in the Big Ten there, but they just kind of ignore the fact that we are part of the Big Ten technically in one sport. Right. So. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think the streak, uh, you know, of of many streaks, I think the streak that you guys have over ACC opponents is kind of something that we as an ACC, you know, school in football focus on and and realize how tall a task it is to to battle Notre Dame in football at any point. We'll say I, I do remember the last time we played, which was years ago, different different eras for both teams, I guess. Um, it was a much closer battle for for Duke. But let's get into this weekend's game. I want to start in the offensive side of the ball. I want to start with Sam Hartman, who is having a terrific season, 1,236 yards passing, over 70% completion rating, 14 touchdowns, and I think most importantly for you guys, zero interceptions. What's he like as a quarterback, and what's been the thing, other than you know not turning the ball over, what has been the thing that has been his biggest success this season? Yeah, so Sam Hartman comes in, and, and there's a hype train behind it, and, and justifiably so. I mean, There were a lot of questions, you know, he would be in the NFL right now, were it not for the knock on him that he maybe was a system quarterback running Wake Forest's slow mesh offense. Um, He has since shown that he can run other offenses. Um, But so he comes in and in the in the spring game and, you know, expectations get blown out of proportion in spring games. But he was doing something that a lot of fans felt like no Notre Dame quarterback for decades has done, which was be patient in the pocket and go through all of his progressions. Like Ian book winning his quarterback in Notre Dame history would honestly tuck and run or just go to his first, maybe his second option. Um, Drew Pine. We saw how that went last year. Jack Cohn was actually a lot better at it, but he just didn't have a whole lot of time to throw because his offensive line wasn't very good, at least at the start of his one year with Notre Dame. Um, So Hartman immediately started winning people over. It also helps that, Frankly, he's a very good looking guy. He's got a fantastic beard. That is a common talking point. Um, but no, he's he takes more deep shots than the other quarterbacks. He's more willing to air it out. He's got more experience airing it out for one thing, even though he probably had better receivers at Wake Forest than he has here. He probably has better tight ends and running backs for sure here than he ever did at Wake Forest. Um, but he's really spread the wealth in the offense. And that's been the biggest thing. Notre Dame doesn't have a go-to wide receiver. They don't really have a go-to tight end, although that's more because Holden Stace has had a couple of really big games, but then Mitchell Evans broke out against Ohio State. Um, and then running back, it's Audric Estime, to be sure. And they don't throw to the running backs as, as much. But yeah, he's he's really spreading the wealth. And while he didn't dominate against Ohio State, um, you know, that, that was more a function of the game plan and the emphasis on controlling the line of scrimmage than it was Hartman you know, not converting passes at a high enough clip, essentially. So we'll talk about the uh, the other skill players on the offense for just a minute. But I did want to talk about the offensive line because you mentioned uh, how great Sam Hartman has been in the pocket and in spreading the ball to the receivers. He's also, you know, thanks to his O line, has kept his jersey relatively clean uh, this season. I think we've only been sacked four times. Uh, through five games. So what's been their key and really kind of leading into the rushing attack? Like how is the offensive line? What have, what have they been doing differently this year than last year where it felt like there was a little bit more of a, you know, of, of a hurried sense from the O-line and enforcing a lot of QB hurries and sacks. Yeah. You know, like I was saying with Drew Pine was the quarterback for most of last year after Tyler Buckner went down with a shoulder injury against Marshall. Um, And it was, it was a very sort of strange situation because Buckner was really hurt by the fact that Jarrett Patterson, who was a starting guard last season was hurt for the first game against Ohio state. So he didn't play. And then he came back and played hurt against Marshall and the offensive line was just not good in those two games. And it led to Buckner getting pressured constantly and he ended up getting hurt. And then Pine came in, and the offensive line finally started playing well in the second half of Game Three against Cal. Um, and so, it, and it was really good. I mean, by all accounts, for the rest of the year. But you know, and Harry Heastan was the offensive coordinator last year. A fantastic offensive line coach, legendary. But part of it was a function of the quarterback. Um, Pine, you know, wasn't great about going through his reads. He also was pretty short, like five foot 10. So he couldn't always see over the offensive line. Um, It was pretty easy to swallow him up. Uh, 
So that was that was part of it, I would say. This year, I can't I can't speak to the sort of intricacies of what exactly they're doing differently. They do have two starting uh two new starting guards in Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler. They return probable all-American left tackle Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, who's also a really, really good right tackle. Had a rough start to the year, Fisher did. Um, but more it was it was really interesting that you know they say like the offensive line gels in like game four or five game five for notre dame happened to be against ohio state and the offensive line played as well as it has all season um it was really really impressive to see because they had been good in run blocking but even though they hadn't let hartman get sacked a lot they were allowing a lot of pressures um especially up the middle so Coogan, Spindler, and then center Z Carell really, really pulled it together against a really quality Ohio State defensive line. You had mentioned earlier some of the skill players that can beat, you know, any team. You have, you know, you talk about Eric Estime, Chris Tyree, Jaden Thomas, and some others. But give me a couple of guys that Duke and Duke fans should watch out for that are kind of under the radar, but can still that have been, you know, performing very well for the Irish and producing a lot for them. Yeah, so Holden stays, like I said, he's a tight end, not Notre Dame's starting tight end technically, although he did for one game because Mitchell Evans was hurt. Mitchell Evans is starting tight end, but he's a better blocker. They use him more in pass blocking, even though they will use him as a receiving threat. Stays is really the the more go-to pass-catching tight end. Um, beyond him, I would say focus on – they should know the running backs um, because Jaden Thomas, who's a wide receiver, has a hamstring and is questionable for this game – Deion Colsey's probably out with a knee uh, scope, I think. So uh, they they are pretty short on wide receivers right now. They're bringing up a true freshman, Braylon James, who is viewed as a very raw talent, not ready to play this year, and a preferred walk-on, Jordan Faison. Um, I believe they have four, maybe five scholarship receivers for this game. So they're going to lean a lot on the running backs. You've got Audrey Gestime as the bell cow. Um, behind him, you have Jabron Payne, who was a very unheralded player, um, but is somehow Notre Dame's go-to short yardage back and very good at it. They've run, I think, two plays this season with him in the Wildcat package, or as I like to call it, the Leprechaun package. Um, and he got a touchdown against Ohio State with that package. So there's him. Devin Ford is a transfer from Penn State. He is the uh, go-to kickoff returner. Hasn't seen a whole lot of action because he got a concussion against Tennessee State, um, but came back for the last couple of games. And then Jadarian Price, who tore his Achilles as a true freshman, coaching staff kind of thought he was the best running back on the roster as a true freshman last year before his Achilles injury. And true freshman Jeremiah Love, who's just a blazing speedster. They have a very, very deep running back room. And people were kind of critical of the way that Audrey Gestime was not used enough against Ohio State. Um, but they used all the running backs in various ways, and they were averaging five yards more than five yards of carry in the second half against OSU. They know how to spread the wealth. Part of it is probably for recruiting purposes because they want to keep uh, all the running backs happy and show future running back recruits like, hey, if you're good enough, we'll find a way to get you on the field, even in a crowded room. Um, and I would expect a heavy dose of the running backs in this game with the injuries to the pass catchers. Look, it seems like not just deep, but all of them have their qualities and they all can you know, produce in different ways on the field, which keeps a defense uh, kind of on their on their heels, which is I think is a, a big testament to, again, the offensive line. I, I see like you guys have been averaging about six yards a carry or seven yards a carry uh, so far this season, which is quite a bit. Um, and, and running back by committee thing is is something uh, to watch for. So let's pause on the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Your your secondary has been doing super well this year. I've watched a few games getting turnovers, otherwise keeping opponents kind of, you know, at bay, you know, some, some particular plays notwithstanding, but what's been the thing that they do best. And also what's a weakness that Duke could look to exploit on Saturday night. So they've been really, really good this year. And it's part of it is a, is a function of just being in the second year under Al Golden, because last year, he was the third defensive coordinator in three years. And there's a lot of carryover, but there was a lot of new stuff. It was a very complex system. And so the second part is they made a point of simplifying the defense this year. Now, Notre Dame has 
three graduate students at linebacker who start, Maris Leofau, J.D. Bertrand, and Jack Kaiser. They are very cerebral, very intelligent. They know how to play very smart defense. Um, Leofau did not have a particularly good game against Ohio State. I don't think he registered a tackle. They did say he was dealing with a stinger in his leg, I believe. So I'm not sure what his status is for this game. They'll probably use more of Kaiser in his spot and bring in Jalen Sneed, who very quietly had a breakout game against Ohio State. He's a redshirt freshman, former five-star recruit. Um, I mean, the best thing Notre Dame does on defense is defend the pass. Um, I mean, they, you know, they held up as well as any team could expect to hold up against Ohio State's passing attack last weekend. Um, Benjamin Morrison is the lead man in the cornerbacks. Cam Hart really kind of flies under the radar because he doesn't make a whole lot of plays, but he's like six foot two long quarterbacks just don't want to throw in his direction. Um, And then Thomas Harper, who transferred in from Oklahoma State at nickel is really, really good. He kind of got picked on against Ohio State, but some someone's bound to get picked on in that kind of matchup. Safety is a bit trickier. I mean, they're better than people expected them to be this past spring. Um, But the recruiting there has been very, very spotty. Um, Aside from Kyle Hamilton, that spot has just not been recruited or developed particularly well. A lot of it has just been moving cornerbacks to safety to try and plug holes, but they do an adequate enough job with the, with the cornerbacks. Um, The thing that they don't do that well is get to the quarterback. Al Golden likes to dial up a lot of, pressures in exotic ways um and they get and they get those pressures they will blitz a lot but they have a hard time actually getting home and getting sacks against a quarterback now that hasn't really burnt them against teams not named ohio state but against a quarterback of riley leonard's caliber who knows especially with his athleticism he may be able to escape and pick up some yards because while notre dame's linebackers are very intelligent they're not the best in open space so yeah, I was going to focus on the uh, uh, on the defensive line and your front seven. And again, getting to the quarterback is one thing, but, you know, this is a mobile quarterback, a guy who is one of the top, not just passers in the ACC so far, but also one of the leading rushers in the ACC. So what is what is Notre Dame? Do you think the plan is to try and key in on Riley Leonard and make it where uh, he is frustrated all, all, all evening? I would say that Al Golden's probably... <laughs> If he's not impacted by the recency bias of, for those who didn't watch Notre Dame, Ohio State, or just don't remember this, the last two plays for Notre Dame in that game were on the goal line. First was an incomplete pass. Second was the touchdown that ultimately won the game for Ohio State. Both of them, Notre Dame had 10 men on the field. The play before that was a third and 19 for Ohio State, and they had just gotten an intentional grounding penalty. And Notre Dame, instead of pressuring Kyle McCord, dropped eight, rushed three. He completes a pass right up to the goal line that then sets up those final two plays. Um, if Al Golden is not affected by the recency bias of not pressuring in that circumstance, I still think he's probably going to want to pressure Riley Leonard, at least at the start of this game. If that doesn't go well, then I think Notre Dame's really just going to do what defenses tend to do when it comes to dealing with a mobile quarterback, which is try and make him one dimensional. Um, They're probably going to just trust their corners to guard Duke man to man and then sell out to stop the run. Um, I, again, I don't know how that's going to work out. You've got to factor in the emotional letdown of that Ohio state loss, how focused Notre Dame is, how fired up Duke is for their first college game day game. Um, But I would say that that's probably the approach they're going to take. All right, we're going to get into a couple of predictions and just just overall superlatives about this game. So if Notre Dame wins on Saturday, it will be in due in large part to what? It's going to be the defense and the running backs with the with the injuries at wide receiver. um, You're this is going to be a slog, in my opinion. It's going to be a grinder. Um, Notre Dame's defense, like I said, they acquitted themselves as well as a team could against Ohio State. They gave up. 17 points to Ohio State. They've given up 38 points to Ohio State the last two years. That doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on this year. The 17 points does. But, you know, Notre Dame fans are tired of the team acquitting themselves well against top competition. I know I've used that expression a couple times, so I just want to put that out there. They want to actually win against top top competition. But as for this game against Duke, um, yeah, the defense is going to have to hold up. 
Uh, if Notre Dame is going to win, they're going to have to keep this low scoring because I expect the offense to just try and assert its will and just get out of Durham with a win after last week. And, the, and, and that's going to be facilitated by leaning on the running backs. And on the flip side, if Notre Dame happens to lose again on Saturday for the second week in a row, it will be because they failed to do what? They failed to really get over what just happened against Ohio State. Um, there's been some talk that, you know, how do the players react to the fact that the coaches failed to realize there were only 10 people on the field or they failed to realize too late because Marcus Freeman said that they realized it for the very last play, but then didn't want to send someone on because they didn't want to take a penalty, make make of that excuse what you will. We all know it's inexcusable. The coaches would tell you as much. But um, if the players don't trust the coaches as much to put them in positions to succeed, it can create hesitancy. And when you have a team as solid as Duke, if you hesitate, they're probably going to burn you. So Notre Dame should out-talent Duke, frankly. I don't think I'm offending anyone when I say that. But Mike Elko, who used to coach Notre Dame, is a hell of a head coach with the way that he's turned Duke around so quickly. And he's he's going to be opportunistic if Notre Dame gives him an opening. All right. So usually at this point, we ask for a prediction for the game. But this week, I got to ask for two predictions. So the first one, predict the score of the game. Who's going to win this one? And, and, and we're going to let this stand for the record. Who is it going to be? Notre Dame or is it going to be Duke? I would say Notre Dame. I'll, I'll go. I think the over under was 52 and a half and the spread was like five and a half. So Last I checked that. So that's like what a 28, 24 game. I, I imagine it being a lot lower than that. I'm going to go Notre Dame 21 Duke 17. I think this is, this is probably going to be a nail biter. Um, I don't anticipate it being one of those scores that looks close at the end, but it was really like Duke scored late and then they had to kick an onside kick and Notre Dame recovers it. So it's game over. Like, I think this is, this is the kind of thing that maybe the defense has to try and redeem themselves with another last minute possession and they actually hold this time to win it um but yeah i'll go notre dame 21 duke 17 figured you'd say it was a low score i also had a low score actually on uh, one foot down uh doing a q a for you guys i predicted duke 23 notre dame 17 so i think we're both in the same period of, of being a low scoring game and just a matter of who's on top now the last prediction which headgear do you think lee corso picks is it going to be the blue devil or is it going to be the irish hat that's a good question. Oh, he's a wild card. Mm. He's a wild card. Uh, but he showed last weekend in South Bend that he's not he's not just going to pander to the fan base because he picked the Buckeye hat. So I think he'll probably go with Notre Dame. I, th- I think he'll he'll go with them this time because um, he he's a man of principle, it seems. And, and we'll pick the team that he thinks is actually going to win and not just play for the crowd. Yeah, he's done 401 of them. Uh, 402 will be this weekend. We'll 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 see which one he picks and who the rest of the panel picks, and also who the surprise celebrity uh, guest picker is going to be. We we obviously have a lot of options that that are ready for the call. So we'll see what happens there. Hayden Adams, you can find him and the rest of his colleagues over at One Foot Down. They are the Notre Dame blog at SB Nation, our sister blog over at SB Nation. So Hayden, once again, thanks for being on the show and. I don't know if we can wish each other good luck, but I hope it's a great game on Saturday. I hope you uh, hope you and the rest of the fans that are going down to Durham enjoy everything. I will wish you good luck. I, I will just plug because um I went to Notre Dame. I graduated in 2021 and Jamie on Franklin, who I know is on Duke's defensive line. Uh, we used to be dorm mates and I and I love Jamie. On That's very cool. So I wish him all the best. Look, I hope he doesn't actually sack Sam Hartman, but <laughs> I, I wish him the best of luck and and the rest of Duke. Like, yeah, just I hope no one gets hurt. So Let's, both teams play hard and have a have a great game. Uh, Hayden, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by Better Help. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, 
There's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. We're back, and first off, we want to thank Hayden Adams once again from One Foot Down for joining us on the Duke Basketball Roundup to preview this football game, this huge football game that we have been discussing all, you know, basically, you know, all episode, but also all week uh, within, you know, our different Duke communities. Jason, first off, just give me some reactions on the interview that you just heard with Hayden. What parts out there did you uh, take note of when he was talking? Donald, I love the fact that Hayden talked about Notre Dame and that 29 straight wins over ACC teams. That's Yo, I didn't I didn't know it was that much. Yeah. Like, like is you a... weren't on the interview. I wish you were because my <laughs> eyes, when he said that, I was like, 29? What? Like yeah. they, they, they went wide. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I'm sure Notre Dame, Notre Dame still pays attention and they get up when they play Clemson and Florida State and, and Miami. But I wonder a little bit if if there's a piece of Notre Dame that may be looking past Duke a little bit because they've been dominating these ACC teams that they play every single year for a long, long, long time. I, I look, I know there there's numbers. I think the number is 15 or 17 next 17. to the Duke 17 mm-hmm. next to the Duke name right now. But I wonder a little bit if Notre Dame may overlook us a little tiny bit or, uh, you know, Hayden talked a little bit about the the notion of whether or not they're going to have a little bit of a hangover from that Ohio State game, which I thought was a really good point that he made as well. Uh, the other thing that I, I I really noted was his conversation. And, and by the way, he knows more about Notre Dame, obviously, than you and I will ever hope to know. So it is a great treat for us to be able to tap into that knowledge. But his conversation about their wide receivers being banged up, frankly, not being that good, and that being the reason that Notre Dame leans on the offensive line and the running backs so much. The, uh, I've spoken extensively, Donald, as you know, about how good I think the Duke defensive backs have been. The fact mm-hmm. that Notre Dame's wide receivers are banked up and not that excellent says to me that Duke's going to have an opportunity to play a lot of one-on-one on the corners and load up the box a little bit more and really try to stop the Notre Dame rushing game. Because if you do that, then you create real problems for Sam Hartman and uh, and that I think is probably Duke's defensive formula to to you know to winning this game. The other thing that I thought was very interesting that you talked about was the fact that their their defense is just great at grinding teams to a halt. He pointed out, you know, they only gave up 17 points to Ohio State. The Buckeyes came into that game; they'd scored like 60 points the previous game, and they only scored 17 against Notre Dame. They came into that game averaging like 35, 40 points per game. I think they scored 17 against Notre Dame. And Hayden talked to us about how strong that defense is. So, you know, it's it may be obvious to everybody else, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. This game comes down to the trenches. You know, can can Duke get the running attack back that we had that we had earlier this season? Can we stop the Notre Dame running attack? And then I think you have two excellent defenses two of the best defenses in the country at preventing the other team from scoring touchdowns, especially in Duke and Notre Dame. Can either one of these teams, like it's probably a game first one to 20 wins this game. And I'm not sure that either team gets to more than, you know, you guys talked about it. Hayden said what 21 to 17. I think you said like 24, 23, 17, 23, 17. You said, yeah, I'm thinking mid, you get to mid 20, you, you, you put three touchdowns on the board probably in this game. And that's the kind of contest I think it's going to be. And Jason, keep in mind that Duke, the fewest number of points they've scored in a the game this year 
was the very first one, 28, right? They've, they've been, you know, getting, getting the ball into the end zone, yeah. kicking field goals, things like that. But for me, I think adding to what you just said, I think one of the keys here is to, and what, I guess one of the, the, what to watch for is thing, right? What does Duke do when they start to become frustrated that every possession is not ending in a touchdown, right? We've seen some stretches where, We've yeah. <laughs> seen some stretches where they it, this year where you know hey they they get, had a couple punts or whatever, but if this game is going to be a low scoring affair, which we all kind of believe it will be, what happens when Duke, you know, goes out, does a three and out punt, goes out maybe gets to the fifty or gets into territory, can't get into field goal range, so they have to punt like those sort of things. Yeah. How does that affect the psyche of the team, and does it affect the momentum? This is where, this is where the crowd needs to come in. Right. This is going to be a sold out crowd. Yes, there's going to be a lot of Notre Dame fans. That's fine. Notre Dame, Notre Dame will travel. If the game is in, you know, American Samoa, they will fill a stadium. It's fine. <laughs> we get that. But the Duke fans are super jazzed about this game. They're super excited. All the students, you know, I there is no school for you. For I'm I am declaring, I, I don't have any power in this, but I am declaring all students, you do not have school from about Thursday at 2 p.m. until Sunday. Like, go to the game. This is going to be a moment where you can influence the players on the field and get that momentum and keep it in Duke blue and not the, you know, the gold helmets of the Irish. So this is where I think the key, that's the, one of the things to watch out for, but yes, Jason, I think the key is in the trenches. I think, you know, our offensive line has performed super well this year. Our defensive line has performed super well this year, but this is so far in my mind, their biggest tests so far this year. And if they excel in those tests, that means I think, you know, Duke is going to uh, emerge victorious. But yeah, it's going to be a grinded out affair. And we just need to be patient and take the opportunities that come to us. And when we do see uh, open lanes to to run through, get first downs, or even to score a touchdown, take them. Because you don't know when the next one's coming. Yeah, by the way, uh, one of the things that, that Hayden pointed out was that uh, that mobile quarterbacks can give problems to Notre Dame. And that the Notre Dame's linebackers are not great in pursuit. You could almost hear him predicting Riley Leonard's going to rip off a couple of runs in this game that mm -hmm. are going to be a problem for Notre Dame fans. Hey, listen, I want to talk just really quickly um, before we wrap everything up about the Notre Dame quarterback, Sam Hartman. Duke fans, if you haven't paid attention, Sam Hartman was the quarterback at Wake Forest for, I want to say for four years, five years, a long time. He was at Wake for a long time. I think he's, I think he's 42. I think yeah. he's, yeah. Yeah, he, he's like your age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam Hartman uh, was at Wake Forest for a while and really probably could have easily gone into the NBA, uh, sorry, NFL draft, uh, but opted to go to Notre Dame instead. I'm sure they presented him with a very nice name, image, and likeness package. But but this, uh, as a result of him being at Wake for so long, this is a guy that Duke is with, and he is familiar with Duke. And it's worth recounting for people that Sam Hartman is really one and one against Duke. In 2021, he destroyed us. I don't know if you remember that game. He passed for more than 400 yards. He had three passing touchdowns. He ran for two other TDs as Notre Dame beat Duke 45 to seven. It was no, a Wake Forest. Wake Forest. I'm sorry. I said Notre Dame. Wake Forest. Thank you so much. Wake Forest beat Duke 45 to seven. It was a brutal, brutal beatdown. And Sam Hartman was a huge part of it. The next year, last year, Wake came to Durham. And we won 34 to 31. Sam Hartman still passed for 300, almost 350 yards and had three touchdowns, but he had an interception and he didn't, he didn't get, get very much on the ground. And his, his passing completion percentage he was just 26 for 42. So, you know, Duke has had some success stopping this guy. Certainly Mike Elko knows him well from that game last year that Duke won and where Duke did a pretty decent job against Sam Hartman. And I think that's one of the bigger keys to this game. If you're able to keep Hartman from really progressing Notre Dame down the field, because look, they do so much on the ground with their rushing attack that when Hartman goes back to pass, he usually has time. You know, he's got a great offensive line and he usually has time. And if Duke can prevent him from having a good game, maybe get a turnover or two, because I believe the turnover battle, I mean, look, you know, like I'm some brilliant football expert to say the team that wins the turnover battle is going to win the game. Doesn't that happen like 80% of the time or something absurd like yeah. that? <laughs> it, it, it's going to be huge in this game. If Duke can force Sam Hartman into a mistake, that that would be massive in this contest. So the final thing I will say about this, 
There's a great quote from Mike Elko. He said he spoke to the team earlier this week. And he said, I know you guys are getting a lot of congratulations for college game day coming to Duke. He said, I'd rather wait and get some congratulations for how we play the football game on Saturday night. There ain't nothing more needs to be said than that. Yes, yes, sir, coach. We ready. We ready, coach. What, yeah, what exactly. you need me to do? <laughs> <laughs> look, it's gonna be look, it's gonna be a fun, fun weekend on campus. It's all uh, we we failed to mention this whole time that it's homecoming. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, on top of all of this, right? So just adding to just the the sheer insanity that is going to be Durham, North Carolina this 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 Saturday. Cannot wait to watch it all. Uh, unfold again 7 30 p.m eastern time kickoff on abc check your local listings if you don't know what channel abc is it's one of those channel seven channel four channel two it's something you don't need cable for this and by the way get there early because college game day will be on campus doing their thing in the morning on saturday the game's not till 7 30 p.m but like at 7 30 a.m college game day is already doing their thing on the duke campus i want that it needs to be filled up, you know, the area around the chapel. They need to be, ha- there need to be a lot of Duke fans there showing college game day that they made the right choice to come to Durham. By the way, I heard something crazy today. Apparently, Appalachian State, App State is trying to organize something where they're going to send a bunch of their fans to Durham to wave like App State banners and stuff and try and take over the, the Duke game day. Dudes, what are you doing? You cannot oh, it's do like, that. It's like it's like the Washington State people that go to every game. They can do that in the corner. They they they're fine over there in the corner. The Washington State flag has been to what that's been like every game day for the last like twenty five years or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring your flag. I don't care. But there's going to be a lot of Duke blue there. That's the point of this. It's going to be a, a great spectacle. Also, shout out to whoever's getting married at the chapel uh, on Saturday morning. Oh boy, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of witnesses. So it, <laughs> exactly. it's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. Everything about it is just, it's just, it, I, it's hard to explain how happy I am that we're at this moment. Right. And I just want to see it through. I want these guys to live it up and to get the flowers that they deserve to get the victory. That would be absolutely tremendous, not just for them, but for this program and to, you know, officially, you know, put it back on the map because yo, we were there before just a lot of us don't remember. We were there before. And this is not a point about making Duke relevant, period. This is about making them relevant again. And I think we're on the verge of that. Let's let's see it through. And hopefully after this weekend, we can talk about another Duke football victory. Hey, last thing, 15 seconds. I'm not going to tell people who it is, but watch your feed. If you see something from the DBR podcast come across your feed at the last minute before this game, give it a listen because we are trying to get a special guest, someone who would be uniquely part of what's going to happen this weekend. Can't say more than that, but just pay attention. We may get this guest, and if we do, it'd be a a ton of fun. Very, very excited about it. Jason, you just reminded me of something I was going to ask before we get out. So we got two things that I want to ask you. The first one is I asked Hayden this, as, as as you listened to, headwear. Who do you think Lee Corso was picking on Saturday for the headgear? Is it going to be the Blue Devil, or is it going to be that little Irish hat that he likes to put on whenever he chooses Notre Dame? I, I think he's going to go Duke. And I think the reason he's going to go Duke is because it's a close enough kind of game that you can justify a pick either direction. He's never put on the Blue Devil headgear in his lifetime, and I think Lee probably wants to smell what it's like inside the devil head. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think... The fact that it would be the first time for him to do it, it again, yeah. he's done it 401 times uh, for him to be able to put on the Duke Blue Devil for the first time. And also it means something, right? Like, it's not like he's just doing a homer pick. Like, he can say, hey, you know, because they pick against the spread. The spread's five and a half. That's still reasonable for him to pick it. So, oh yeah, yeah I think that's I think that's something that he's going to do. I really do. It's going to, if he chooses Notre Dame, then, yo, Lee, we don't like you. So we'll do that. But Jason, the other thing that I want to ask you, it's also related to that, right? When they do the picks, there is the celebrity guest picker. And it's always oh. someone that's super big. A lot of times it's related to university uh, yeah. that is hosting it. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, like last week they had Vince Vaughn, who I don't think went to Notre Dame. He just played 
a Notre Dame quarterback and Rudy, right? Like, right. so something that has some connection to the university that they're, that is hosting college game days. So we obviously have a lot of options here as Duke blue devils. Who would you like to see as the celebrity guest picker on Saturday? Oh, Ken Jeong. There's no question in my mind. If you ask me who I, I want it to be, I think Ken Jeong is the best one because he's a fervent supporter of Duke athletics, mostly the basketball team. But I, my bet is that Ken is very aware of what's been going on with the football team. And he's just wickedly, hysterically funny and great at ad-libbing and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, so he would easily, easily be my choice. Uh, there are a lot of options out there. I mean, there, there are Duke parents like Rob Lowe and Bruce Springsteen are both Duke parents who are very engaged in the program. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, they aren't still together, but but Melinda Gates went to Duke. Bill Gates is, you know, they, their, their child uh, also attended Duke. So you, you could see that. Tim Cook of Apple. Uh, there's an entire litany of Duke basketball people that you could pick. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones would be an interesting choice. Uh, they're, they're just I don't know that they let them out uh, to do it. Like they usually don't have uh, current NFL players. Yeah, you're probably right. Thing. You're probably right. Uh, at least during the season, at least maybe for like, you know, post game or post season or whatever. But Jason, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, yeah, there's a bunch of guys in the uh, on the basketball side that would obviously be great at this. Right. Had, Jason Tatum was just back on campus. That'd be an easy pick. Right. Coach K would be an easy pick. But I'd love for them to focus on someone who is a part of the Duke program. And it's probably somebody, this is out of left field. He's a little older, but he would be, I, I think, would be great. Sonny Jurgensen. Oh, well, I thought you were going to say Steve Spurrier. Well, Steve Spurrier, yeah. The old ball coach. I mean, the last time, again, we were kind of in that relevance period, like, was with the old ball coach as as the head coach. But And he also, as you know, like, every year when he gets a vote in the coaches poll, he yep. used to pick Duke uh, in the very first poll, and you know we'd usually lose that pick afterwards. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think someone focusing on the football side to again establish the, the precedent that the program has, and that there has been so many great players that have come through Duke uh, at some point. I think Sonny, Sonny Jurgensen again, he's older; he's like Lee Corso's age. Um, but if he if he was there, I thought that'd be a really really cool cool thing to do, especially. You know, again, the very first time that he's able to do it, he gets to pick. Like, that'd be great. And you know he'd pick two. So absolutely, absolutely. All right, dude, we've done enough on this. We got to roll. We've done enough. <laughs> All there's nothing left except to play the game. Again, Saturday night, 7 30 p.m. Eastern time. Get to game day early. It's gonna be a long day for you guys in Durham. Rest up now. This is the Duke basketball roundup, changing our name to Duke football, at least for the time being. For Jason Evans, I am Donald Wine, and this is now the Duke Band to take us home. I saw the creator last night. I don't know if people care about the movie review stuff. I don't think the creator's that interesting, so. Yeah, it's the that's the scary movie. It's not no, it's not scary. It's uh it's about AI. It's uh it's about Oh right, AI. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One and Godzilla, although he didn't really direct Rogue One. Like, he gets a lot of credit for directing it, but he, Disney kind of saw that it was going off the rails and went, look, we'll pretend comes, like you directed it. We're going to fix yeah, come, this. come save this. Come fix this thing. Um, We're going to fix this. If you don't say anything, then let you claim credit for it. <laughs> right. I think it was um, Tony Gilroy went in uh, and fixed it for him. But anyway, yeah. Though they also, like, for the creator, they had that... Did you see the thing? I think it was, like, week one of MFL where they had, like, they AI people, people walking on the sideline. And I just think, I'm like, I'm like, first of all, y'all ain't fooling nobody. First, y'all, none of y'all are slick. Those are people that you paid to act like they are robots. You think? Really? And second of all, <laughs> I'm going to let you know how dumb that is and how much I didn't want to see that movie because you had some people pretend to be robots in sideline. Like, we didn't have robots for the last, like, 40 years of movies. Like, robots are all in movies all, all the time. We we had a whole thing called, the, the name of the movie, Jason, is called I, Robot. Like, <laughs> we already yeah. had this. <laughs> all the NS5s report report to the field immediately. <laughs> Will, little, little Will Smith there, yeah. Will uh, you Smith, know, the, yeah. The problem with the creator is, like, it has, it has all these sort of interesting ideas about AI and robots and stuff, and it, like, does a little tiny, 
bits of it, but then doesn't get into it too much. So I kept on being like, wait, let's talk more about this really interesting thing you just introduced. And they were like, no, 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 let's go do a fight scene instead. And I was just, I was so disappointed in it. There was enough ideas in there for like three movies. Instead, they made one kind of crappy movie. It really disappointed me. I'm waiting for there to be a series of um, uh, talking about like robots or slash AI and what happens when they they fight people and then the people fight back. Um, oh, wait, that's the whole Terminator series. Like, OK, great. yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, the, the difference here is that the AI is the good guy here. And, and okay. granted, Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes the good guy in the later Terminator. But I mean, just in right. general, in general, the AI bad guy in the Terminator films. The AI is really the good guy in these films, which is kind of, uh, that's yet another way that's sort of an interesting twist on the whole genre. But, um, and like, Gareth Edwards wants to make, like, an Apocalypse Now movie. It, the whole thing's, like, set in Vietnam or Korea or someplace like that in the jungle. Uh-huh. And, and and I'm just like, why are we doing Apocalypse Now when we have these really interesting robots to talk about? But, yeah, what the hell? It's been forever since we had a decent post-credit outtake thing. No, that's not true. About that we would. That's not true. We had the dentist thing like last week. We had the dentist thing last week. (laughs) 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 And you just created it without knowing it. Yes, sir. Yep. yep. (laughs) I completely forgot about the dentist thing.